0: Welcome back in, everybody. Episode 103 of the Sports Gospel Show here. Sportsgospel.com or wherever you find your favorite podcast. We're happy you're here with us, Darren and Andrew, on this week's edition of the show. And we are going to jump right into things here. A lot to get to with the NFL draft. Andrew and I kind of gave our preview two weeks ago. Last week, we did a mock draft with Shannon and Kevin. And now Andrew back to look at how we did some of our prognostications And then we'll get into the NBA playoffs here. And then if we have time at the end, touch on the madness that is the Stanley Cup playoffs. And we do have a UFC card coming up this weekend. So if we have time for all that, try to keep it tight to our hour here. So what we want to do for the NFL draft recap, we're going to look at kind of go five picks at a time here. We don't need to go in depth on all 32, but maybe five at a time. Look at some mid to late round steals that we like. And then some teams we thought maybe had the best and some that we were a little confused by. Starting here at the top of the draft, kind of how we expected the first three players to go. Bryce Young, number one. CJ Stroud, two. Will Anderson, three. Anthony Richardson at four. And Devin Witherspoon at five. So three three quarterbacks in the top five. Two Texans picks. What stands out to you with our first five picks we had?
1: Uh, the Texans putting all their chips on the table to go get Will Anderson. Um, usually when you make that kind of a trade-up move from 12 to 3, you're looking at a quarterback. Well, they already got their quarterback at two, but you traded up for Will Anderson because you believe he's a special player. So that, and rightfully so, I mean, I think he is, but you gave up a lot in order to get a non quarterback. That's usually the kind of trade that you make for a quarterback. So very interesting. I love Houston going all in trying to get two foundational pieces, one on offense, one on defense like that. But an uh, interesting move.
0: Yeah, you have to really love a player to make that move. And I'm all for the Texans going all in. You've been not good for a while. And it got quite a bit back from Cleveland in the Deshaun Watson trade. So f- say what you will. Yes, giving up a pick to Arizona. So Houston traded their first and third in next year's draft. Uh, Two... Houston gave Arizona those two picks to get this one, but Houston still has Cleveland's picks ne- pick next year. So currently the Texans still have a first rounder next year. I like what they're doing. I, I've admitted that CJ Stroud was my favorite player, but once Bryce Young's off the table, you had to go with Stroud. Texans, I think, will be a fun watch. The AFC South is up for grabs, not saying they're going to be in there. I still think it's now the Jaguars division to lose, but the AFC South, I think the Texans are going to win a few games. They really went all in. Don't love the Anthony Richardson pick. I get the Colts doing it, and that's a very Jim Ursay move, it feels like. And then Devin Witherspoon, all right. I, it wasn't my favorite cornerback, but I get the Seahawks going for it. I really like what the Seahawks did. More on them later on.
1: Yeah, I really actually like the Devin Witherspoon pick. I know that some people were surprised that he went that high, but um... – I'm not. And when you see the tape on Devin Witherspoon, you understand hard hitting, hard tackling corner, uh, that kind of thing fits perfectly in Seattle with Pete Carroll. And you pair him up with Tariq Wollin. That's a pretty good uh, backfield combo. And also um, Adams, when he, Jamal Adams, when he comes back off of injury. So the uh, Seahawks secondary looking good. Tell me if you've heard that before.
0: Kinda of forgot about Jamal Adams. They got Tariq Wollen last year, so they've really loaded up the back end of that second of that defense. Yeah,
1: and I think for pure fantasy purposes, Anthony Richardson's probably gonna have the best season just because of the rushing um capability that he has. So I think I think Anthony Richardson's probably gonna be your fantasy QB1 for rookies.
0: Wow. How long you think they're gonna throw him in? They're not gonna ride with Minshew for a while?
1: Uh not at all. Minshew is a career backup, and I think uh, <laughs> Anthony Richardson will go right in the fire. You don't you don't draft a guy top five to not throw him right into the fire.
0: Uh, moving on to the next crop here. Got a lot more of the big boys at this level. A lot of names we suspected. Paris Johnson, the offensive lineman. Tyree Wilson, the D-end. Jalen Carter and Darnell Wright. So two defensive linemen, two offensive linemen. And then the surprise pick with Bijan Robinson. I like all the, well... I like Carter Johnson and Tyree Wilson the seal for the Eagles to get Carter Darnell Wright. I think that's a little high for him, but I get people salivating over the potential. But then Bijan Robinson, we'll talk about this in a little bit with Jameer Gibbs. I I really like the Falcons draft. If you look at what they did, I think Arthur Smith is going all in. He needs to win now, so I get Bijan Robinson. But at eight, this that just feels crazy to me. Otherwise, really no complaints on the rest of this you know, level. Yeah,
1: I love. I love Bijan Robinson the player. I don't like picking Bijan Robinson top 10. Um I really think that with the way running backs go in the NFL these days, that's more of a later first round pick, if a first round pick at all on a running back. Um so I again, I love Bijan the player. That's not a knock on him the player. I just think it's the way the position goes, the way contracts go the way you can seemingly plug and play running backs um i don't think he'll be bad by any means i think he'll be great i think he'll obviously be the rookie rb1 but uh, too high and the falcons had other needs especially defensively that they could have filled there i thought they should have taken the most obvious pick on the board jalen carter and i love the eagles and what they did in this block traded up one spot Got their man, Jalen Carter, and you um, can talk about this, but apparently they're just trying to recreate the Georgia defense in Philly.
0: Yeah, I think they only draft Georgia and Alabama players has been the talking point. Is it like five five Georgia defensive players likely in their starting lineup this year? You know, I believe Alabama so. Alabama guys sprinkled in there.
1: Yeah, and then also um, they traded for DeAndre Swift, who's also from Georgia.
0: So I've got... And again, this is, we're in May looking at the Philadelphia depth chart here. What do we have? I got to scroll down way too far to find this. So on their defensive side, Nicobe Dean, Georgia guy, Jalen Carter, maybe Jordan Davis, if they're both starting. So that's three. If Nolan Smith can break in there and then Keely Ringo, so there's your all Georgia guys. Is James Bradbury, a Georgia guy, where James Bradbury go. Uh, and then Ian, like you mentioned, you meant mix DeAndre Swift in there, just a uh, that and then all the Alabama guys like Devontae Smith. It's a uh, SEC North.
1: And Jalen Hurts, I guess. He is a yeah. ex Alabama, but also Oklahoma quarterback, so but Alabama. Um yeah, so I do think they will play Davis and Carter together
0: in Which... certain situations. I do wonder if that's part of it. Cause the big thing with Carter, everybody was concerned does the, is the off field, the character is that part of it. But then I wonder, is it going to be kind of a, will it feel more like a family? Cause what you hear about Nolan Smith and Nicobe Dean, especially is these are high character guys. Those are the two guys. These are your leaders. These are stabilizing factors. These guys have the intangibles. So I wonder if influences like that, if you have a guy who you're worried about off field, just like, Hey, get his buddies. They're star players in their own right, but they also are mature, smart. So with guys like Nicobe Dean and Nolan Smith, you think you have that component as well?
1: Yeah, and you also have veterans that have been around for a long time like Fletcher Cox and Derek Barnett and Jason Kelsey and Lane Johnson um, on the offense. I know they play different positions, but you got a lot of good leadership too. So I think this is a a really good landing spot for Jalen Carter if – he has off field issues. It's not going to be because the Eagles organization bungled something.
0: Yeah. And we obviously only see this from the outside looking in, but from what I can gather, just watching the NFL and hearing people talk, you probably don't mess around with Brandon Graham and Hassan Reddick, or you will be put in your place and all those other guys and, you mentioned.
1: Yeah. Another couple of other guys who are going to help keep, uh, be a strong veteran presence in uh, Jalen Carter's life. So, I think that's a that makes it a home run pick because in terms of talent, he's probably the number one or number two player in this draft.
0: And I know it's risky because we always talk about the Super Bowl, Super Bowl hangover and especially the losing team, but the Eagles look just as good, if not better than last year. It'll probably boil down to how well Jalen Hurts plays or like the Niners did after their Super Bowl where everybody got hurt. Just looking at the Eagles roster, they seem loaded.
1: Uh, Yeah, if you want my uh, futures bet on who's going to win the NFC next year, I can just go ahead and tell you that I'm all in on the Eagles.
0: Yeah, not a bad pick to get right now. Yep, absolutely. And now we move. This was probably the most confounding tier for me as we're breaking this down by fives. However... Last week we made out our mock, there's only three picks we got officially right. We had a lot of the right guys, a lot of the right picks, but the trades and all that kind of throws a wrench in that having a perfect mock. But we had CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, and Peter Skaronsky. We got those three, right? So Skaronsky here going to the t- Titans. To me, the best lineman in the class. I think he's more polished than Paris Johnson. Both great players. I just like Skaronsky better. Thought he's a better fit for the Titans, though, so I get that. Roderick Jones down with the Steelers. You get two offensive linemen, two edge rushers, one for you, one for me with Lucas Van Ness and Will McDonald. Fun fact, Will McDonald was the oldest player in the first round at 24 years old. And then the, as confusing as the B. John Robinson pick is Jameer Gibbs here to the Lions. I have no idea what the Lions are doing at 12, getting a running back. Everything you said before about B. John Robinson applies here twofold for Gibbs. I get that the Lions are going for these insert, you know, lunch pail, chin strap, high motor guys that Dan Campbell wants, which explains all the Hawkeyes they drafted. Just again, a running back at 12 in 2023 is crazy.
1: Yeah. And um, Gibbs, I, I'm not sure that he's an every down running back. They did sign David Montgomery. So they have a little bit of insurance there with a guy who can play on um, maybe those early downs. But I think early in his career, Gibbs is not a three down running back. And that's what makes this pick a little bit more confounding. Um, He's short. He's a little bit underweight for what a three-down running back would be. Um, Reminds me a lot of the the Clyde Edwards-Alaire hype with Jameer Gibbs, if you remember that. Um, I'm not saying that he's going to be down on that level. He might be better than that, um, significantly so. But, again, this high? I really had Jameer Gibbs pegged as like a late first, maybe to like the Chiefs or early second round kind of pick. I feel like they could have gotten Gibbs at thirty-four.
0: And yeah, I you went even further than I was. In our next group, we get to your guy Jack Campbell at eighteen. Were the Lions really worried about somebody jumping up? I the Packers weren't going to take a running back. The Steelers, the Jets, I. Not even the commanders. I can't see anybody ahead of them at eighteen, so I wonder why reach for Gibbs here when at least eighteen, if not thirty-four. I just I don't know who they thought was gonna jump ahead of them and covet him that much unless they know something that we didn't.
1: Yeah, and the pick, um yeah, that maybe they did know something that we didn't. But um and I guess at the time they had DeAndre Swift too. They hadn't made the Swift trade yet when they made the pick, but I guess that was Kind of the writing on the wall for trading DeAndre Swift, but, um, confusing. I, I do think Gibbs could turn out to be a good player. I think, um, Campbell, they got him later, right? But, mm-hmm. and he'll probably turn out to be a good player too. But they went high on some guys that I think will start and be big pieces of their team, but I didn't really understand getting them at the value that they got them. So, uh, in this range, yeah, we got, our Iowa and our Iowa state guys going in uh relatively short order. So uh, I like the VNS pick huge fan of the VNS pick. Is,
0: is this just your dream situation? A Hawkeye goes to the Packers. You get the best of both worlds.
1: Yeah. And Iowa defensive linemen, they have a history with the green Bay Packers working out. All right. Aaron Campman, Mike Daniels, Lucas VNS. So there's a hit, there's a history there. And he reminds me a little bit of where uh, Rashawn Gary was when he got drafted. Athletically, super gifted, but there was a lot of teachable things that need to be cleaned up, and he can learn those in Green Bay. And yeah, I like I like the Van Ness pick.
0: So on the the depth chart, depth chart that I'm looking at right now. They sh- so the Packers run a 3-4, and Van Ness is kind of that tweener. Is he a big linebacker or a small defensive end? He's currently listed as the backup on the left side. Preston Smith is the starter right now, so you got Van Ness as the backup.
1: Yeah, well, Rashawn Gary's coming off a major injury, so Van Ness could slide in to Rashawn Gary's spot and start there immediately. Um, and then once Rashawn Gary's back healthy, then the Packers can really roll out some interesting lineups and then you got to remember Preston Smith is 31 which in the world of edge rushers kind of old so and contract coming up they got to make a decision on the Rashawn Gary contract so while on paper it doesn't seem like an immediate need right away for this season it's a nice nice play for the future so I think uh Good pick there by Green Bay. The only other way I could have been happier maybe was if they would have taken Jackson Smith and Jigba.
0: He is coming up in our next level, 16 to 20. We get Emmanuel Forbes and Christian Gonzalez, the two cornerbacks going back-to-back. Your Iowa linebacker, Jack Campbell, to the Lions. My guy, Kalijah Kansi, I think he's going to be a force with the Buccaneers. And then, as you mentioned, Jackson Smith and Jigba, another great pick by the Seahawks. I think the Seahawks crushed this draft. I, I was not crazy on Forbes or Gonzalez. I would have liked Joey Porter or Cam Smith here, but I like Gonzalez's potential. I'm just, I'm just all about Kansi and Smith and Jigba in this one. I think both have... 10-year starter potential, and then Jack Campbell is just this weird, freaky, big linebacker. And like we talked about, the Lions want those Kirk Farron's inserts, you know, cliche line here. So really kind of see what they're going for there with the the Lions mentality.
1: Jack Campbell is 100% a Dane Campbell guy and type of player, and I know that they loved his pre-draft interview. And that once he came out of that pre-draft interview, they were thoroughly impressed and probably weren't locked in on anyone else. If, uh, there had been anyone else at that pick, really, they weren't locked in on anyone else. And he's a probably a, a decade plus starter as well. You mentioned Clyde Jacancy being that, but I think, um, you know, he's, he's in that Luke Keekly world of linebacker. So, um, Yeah, Jack Campbell, they got an absolute killer player there. I think maybe you could have gotten a little bit lower because the nature of the inside linebacker position in the NFL is devalued a little bit to where I don't think teams are going to try and jump you. You could have probably waited and got him at 34, but you're going to, it's not going to be something where years later you're questioning, why did we do this?
0: And we saw that more later on, how linebackers fell. He was really the only one who went high, and then everybody was kind of waiting around. The traditional linebackers have taken hit. Everybody wants more cornerbacks and edge rushers. Makes sense, though, trying to combat pass-happy offenses.
1: Yeah, I love um, the Smith and Jigba pick, too, and I, I agree. The Seahawks, with both of their picks, absolutely nailed it. They got Hope at the secondary with Witherspoon, and then they've kind of got their Lockett replacement for once Lockett kind of moves on. But next year, they've got Metcalf and Lockett and Smith and Jigba as their top three wide receivers. And then a little bit later, they backed up their running back spot with Zach Charbonnet. I don't know if you want to go through every five picks in the NFL draft, so I'll go ahead and spoil the third round, I believe. But um, Kenneth Walker coming back off injury and Charbonnet to back him up. So I really like what – um the seahawks did if they do go quarterback in next year's draft they've got a lot of uh a lot of weapons for that quarterback of the future if geno smith isn't the long term answer
0: if he can put it together just this year that's going to be a dangerous team more on that in a little bit it's just all going to come down to geno being the man yep and smith and jigba started the run on wide receivers here so 21 through 26 We had Quentin Johnson, the big guy out of TCU, going to the Chargers, Zay Flowers to the Ravens, and my guy, Jordan Addison, going to the Vikings. And then uh, finished it off here with Deontay Banks, the Maryland cornerback, and our only tight end in the first round, Dalton Kincaid, to the Bills. We've talked about this, probably ad nauseum at this point. To me, it's Addison and Smith and Jigba. Everybody else was a cut below them. The Vikings, I think, are going to be so fun to watch. Justin Jefferson, for my money, the best receiver in the game right now. And you add Jordan Addison. I think that offense is going to be freaky good this next year and the NFC North is wide open. I, the other two wide receivers, I think the Ravens may have had one of the worst drafts of anybody here. I know it's the Ravens and they always find diamonds in the rough. I just don't know, don't know about this offense. And then again, the, I get the two running backs are off the board, but the Bills going with the tight end, I don't think was their biggest need. Just what stands out to me most about here is the Jordan Addison to the Vikings being a brilliant pick.
1: I like the answer to the Vikings pick, but I also love Zay Flowers. I think you're you're kind of underestimating him a little bit. Um, I think he's Marquise Brown, but better. Um, so I th- I love the Zay Flowers pick, and then the Kincaid pick. Uh, there's people who will who have thought this and who think this, and I think he can become a reasonable in- impression of Travis Kelsey. So while it may not be their biggest need, if you can get a player like that where they got him, I think that's a a home run pick. So I think everybody in this range kind of nailed it, except for maybe the Chargers. I'm not as big on Quentin Johnston. And again, not their biggest need. Keenan Allen, Mike Williams. I think you could have found a receiver comparable to Quentin Johnston or maybe even waited and gotten on Quentin Johnston later uh, filled another need there instead. I don't think he'll be bad, but I I didn't see that as their most pressing need.
0: I would agree on that. It's, yeah, it feels like you have a third receiver who's kind of the same as the other two. I know Josh Palmer changes it up a little bit. Williams, Johnson, and Allen all feel like these big body jump ball receivers and maybe that's what they're going for. I would have rather seen some defensive help. I think they maybe could have gone safety if they like Brian Branch. Or that defensive front, they were just so decimated by injuries last year, and I don't think they have a lot of depth there. You've seen what these teams need for rotational fronts, like you have with the 49ers and a few other teams have started building. And coming up in this next crop, there were so many defensive linemen inside and edge rushers that we'll get to here in a second. I thought that would have been a better fit for the Chargers. They don't pay us to be the GMs. Maybe they should, but the Chargers, they wanted those big receivers.
1: Yeah. Interesting interesting stuff and interesting landing spots for uh, fantasy purposes.
0: And to close out the first round here, one offensive lineman, Anton Harrison, to the Jaguars. The Jaguars are becoming this smart, boring, responsible franchise, which is very confusing for those of us who have followed them. We're used to bad decisions, but here they are in this draft just making logical, simple, smart choices to bolster their team. And then the rest of the bottom of the first round here, a lot of who I think are going to be fantastic defensive linemen, Mozzie Smith, a 340-pounder to the Cowboys, back-to-back Clemson guys, Miles Murphy and Brian Brazee to the Bengals and Saints, Nolan Smith, and then I love this Chiefs picks, Felix Anadike Uzama out of K-State, a, for all intents and purposes, a hometown pick, kid from the area, went to K-State going to the Chiefs. I really like all these picks. I think Nolan Smith is my favorite. We talked about him. That in the Uzama pick it doesn't make me wonder. I I don't want to poo-poo an Iowa State guy it was the first first round draft pick for the Cyclones in fifty years. I just wonder, is it a scheme thing? Is it a talent thing? I personally thought Murphy Smith and Uzama were all a touch above Will McDonald. Happy to see him get that respect, but it just shows the depth and the talent here of this edge rusher class.
1: Yeah. Um I didn't think Murphy or Nolan Smith or Brian Brzee um, should be sitting here at this stage in the game, or Uzama either. Um, Yeah, so all the teams here were gifted um, someone. I think Mozzie Smith, again, is a guy that probably could have been been had later. Um, But, yeah, I. other than that, I think – I think everybody here kind of nailed it, too.
0: So as we will get to the other rounds, we'll do kind of a rapid fire for the last couple of rounds. But as we look at the first round as a whole, anything else that stands out that we haven't gotten to?
1: Um, Well, I guess we can talk about this when we look at the other rounds, but really expected Will Levis to go somewhere in the first round and was sort of shocked that he did not.
0: Yeah, I thought maybe somebody would sneak in if they kind of saw him sitting there and we know how trade happy teams like the Saints and Eagles are, or even the Bengals and Chiefs who didn't need that much. I could see those teams maybe trading back and getting some capital. Sure, he went the second pick in the second round. I thought the same thing, though. If people were going to reach for Richardson, he must... I don't know if he really rubbed people the wrong way or if people were just overhyping him, but... Yeah, very, very surprising. Interesting to see what the Titans do. They now have two young quarterbacks. What's and oh. Tannehill? Are they done with Tannehill? It's just the Titans are getting a very crowded quarterback room.
1: Oh yeah, I think this is uh play Tannehill for the first few games. If it's not going well, immediately switch to Will Levis type of situation. Uh stinks for Malik Malik Willis, but I think Will Levis um is kind of gonna be the guy for the future.
0: Do you think this pick was made because they saw what they had in Malik Willis last year and decided he wasn't starter worthy? Or should we still be yeah. giving Malik Willis a chance?
1: Yeah, I think um I think they saw enough last year to say let's give Will Levis a chance if we have if we're in range
0: He Will Levis, definitely the highlight of round two. Some of the other picks I like, Joey Porter Jr. going to the Steelers. How perfect is this? The His dad played there as a Steeler legend. They get him as a steal. If you want to think of it, he was the 32nd pick, so maybe technically a first rounder, depending on how you want to look at it. I know you're going to want to talk about Sam Laporta. Michael Mayer to the Raiders I love as a replacement for Darren Waller. Uh, Matthew Bergeron, is a, he's an offensive lineman, really versatile tackle or guard. I like him to the Falcons, which is why I think part of their great draft. Isaiah Foskey to the Saints is a good pick. Your Packers, now the guard of Aaron Rodgers, are going after weapons. I would like Luke Musgrave. Brian Branch, I'm a huge fan of. We talked about that Lions-Campbell attitude. Brian Branch was the one guy who got to be there on night one, didn't get drafted, but stuck around. There were four guys, I think, who showed up for the draft and then went home. They don't want to be there on day two. Brian Branch stuck around. To me, that's a, I appreciate this honor. I'm happy to be here. I came all this way. So to me, it's just, it's a sign of commitment and dedication that he stuck it out, waited until the middle of the second round to have his moment. So I really like him. And then I mentioned Cam Smith, this cornerback, huge fan of him. Zach Charbonnet, you mentioned. There's a lot of fantastic players here in the second round. So I think there's, there's a lot of starters. And if, if your team didn't get a star player until round two, I think there's still a lot of fantastic names here.
1: Yeah, um, I do want to talk about Sam Laporta. I was hoping that he would also be in, uh, there when Green Bay was picking, but unfortunately the lines were a little bit higher on Sam Laporta than um, I expected, but that's cool. He's the second tight end off the board after Kincaid, I believe, um, but I think he's going to be, this next year, he's going to be uh, tight end one among rookies. Wow. So- yeah, uh, the Jamison Williams suspension and you can't throw every single pass to Amon Ra. So <laughs> what, what better way to work in your new tight end in those first six games than, uh, getting him some targets. So, um, I like what Green Bay did here in, in round two. And, uh, you mentioned Musgrave. I love Musgrave, but Jaden Reed, second round wide receiver. We've seen Green Bay's track record with second-round wide receivers since 2006, Greg Jennings, Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb, Devontae Adams, Christian Watson last year, Jaden Reed this year. Green Bay has a really good track record with second-round wide receivers, and I've watched uh, plenty of film of Jaden Reed. I think this is another good second-round wide receiver by Green Bay here.
0: Jaden Reed was a guy that I did not know a whole lot about leading up to the draft, and then it felt like he was a guy at the eleventh hour that everybody jumped on the Jaden Reed hype train and a really, really got high on him at the final moments.
1: Yeah, he's gonna he's going to make an immediate impact um, in Green Bay as wide receiver. But I also love to—I don't know if you want to move on to the third round, but I love a Green Bay double dipping on tight end. I like Tucker craft. Um, I think his game reminds me a little bit of George Kittle. Hmm. I, so I'm really high on the South Dakota state tight end Tucker craft. I know that Alabama tried to entice him to come to Alabama last year, but he chose to stay at South Dakota state with his teammates win a national championship. So he is, um, uh, he's definitely a talented tight end. And he's probably the better blocking tight end between him and Musgrave. Uh, But Musgrave kind of reminds me of Hunter Henry. So if we just got George Kittle and Hunter Henry with a decent second-round wide receiver, I think Green Bay nailed it on day two and and then day three ultimately. So I like uh, the Packers draft up and down the board.
0: Giving Jordan Love every opportunity to to succeed.
1: Yeah, they can – they want to play two tight end packages in the LeFleur era. They've shown that. And now they're going to have plenty of flexibility to do so. And now I think they've got at least three legit wide receivers with uh, Watson, Dobbs, and and now uh, Jaden Reed. Plus Aaron Jones catching patches passes out of the backfield as well. So I think uh, there's real pass catching options in Green Bay for Jordan Love now
0: looking at some more of those third round picks and ties into your Sam Laporta Hendon hooker going to the lions. I do wonder if he was healthy, would he have been higher that ACL injury going to keep him out for the start of the season, unless he has some weird Bryce young or Bryce young Bryce Harper moment Uh, Hendon hooker taken in the third round by the lions. Will he replace Jared Goff as the starter by the end of the year? Not due to injury, just due to outplaying him. I don't think so. There's hooker a backup. Um,
1: Yeah, I think he's going to be a backup, and from what I understand about Goff's contract, there's like an option in it that he could be there two more years after this year. I like Hendon Hooker, but I think this is a little bit of an interesting landing spot.
0: Looking a little bit further down, I was a big fan of Jalen Hyde. I want to see what he can do, so a great pick for the Giants in my estimation. What else do we have here? You're... Your guy, Riley Moss, going to the Broncos. It feels like the Broncos just, they always know where to find defensive players. That Broncos defense is always loaded, kind of like the Ravens. They're always looking to the future, and they always have the next generation getting ready behind the starters.
1: Make no mistake, he will play cornerback. I know ESPN tried to push this narrative that he's going to switch to safety, and he may eventually at some point in his career, but the Broncos and other teams did ID him as a a corner. So he will play corner next year in Denver.
0: Stetson Bennett going to the Rams. Is he going to be the Rams starter?
1: Yeah, I think he's going to be the backup. He's going to immediately ascend to backup status behind Stafford. And, you know, with as much as you have invested in Stafford, you can't start not start him if he's healthy. But if something happens to Stafford again, like we saw last year, I think you feel really comfortable putting Stetson Bennett in um as the starter there in that scenario and could make some noise. I think that's definitely an upgrade to their backup spot for sure. I don't think he's a franchise quarterback by any stretch of the imagination, but could he be a decent backup slash starter post Stafford? Yeah, I think that's definitely a reasonable future for Stetson Bennett.
0: Looking at some of the other quarterbacks here, quick. Do you see, if if you had to pick somebody to give your uh, Brock Purdy potential this year, we got Jake Hayner went to the Saints, Aiden O'Connell went to the Raiders, Dorian Thompson Robinson to the Browns, and Max Duggan to the Chargers are the guys that I'm going to point out. There's a few others, but to me, those are the biggest name, highest potential guys.
1: Out of that group, I mean, I would say it's Stetson Bennett actually if you won't give me Bennett though Uh, you throw Bennett uh, in there then give me Bennett in there um, for that because I think Duggan obviously not unless something happens to Herbert but I think all roads lead to Herbert even if Duggan does come in and play well Um, during Thompson Robinson I was hoping he'd land somewhere else because Watson was just given a huge contract I don't think he's supplanting Deshaun Watson Um, I think it's Aiden O'Connell, if you want to look beyond Stetson Bennett, just because of the Raiders kind of uncertain quarterback situation.
0: He was the guy that I was looking at. I mentioned him before. I wasn't blown away by him in college, but some people really like him. Brian Hoyer kind of feels like the veteran Josh McDaniels favorite. Jimmy G's health, though, Aiden O'Connell may be able to sneak some starts this year. I'm not going to say he's going to have a Brock Purdy rookie year, or become the next Jalen Hurts. He's the one I'm really curious about, though.
1: No, no, I don't think we're going to see that level from beyond the first round this year.
0: Any other, we'll give our maybe best or worst or just best if we want to be positive, but any other names we didn't get to, that kind of took us through the top three rounds. But if you had any fourth or below guys we didn't touch on.
1: Uh, Keely Ringo.
0: Yeah, um, and that guy who I thought was for sure going to be a top 50 pick.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then, like the landing spot for your guy, Xavier Hutchinson, thought he should have gone significantly earlier, earlier and go ahead and take a look at the Texans wide receiver core and tell me he's not going to play next year. <laughs> um, and then another Iowa State guy ended up in Green Bay, Anthony Johnson, um, Packers have a need at safety. They might bring back Adrian Amos. And so that, but they might need Anthony Johnson for depth. So he's probably going to make the roster next year in green Bay. I would imagine. Um, really like, uh, the stabs in the dark on green Bay's wide receivers in the seventh round. I like, uh, grant Dubose. I feel like he should not have been there. Also, they got Dontavian Wicks actually in the sixth round, I think. But, um, yeah, Dontavian Wicks had a great 2021, if you throw out 2022. I kind of like him. I'm struggling to think of other Day 3 picks that were really good or stood out. Do do you have any others that stood out to you on Day 3?
0: Well, I was kind of looking at my top teams that I have here, so I – Wrote down, I do not really rank them, but I had my, my eight best drafts, and a lot of them were teams you wouldn't expect. The Falcons, the Bears, the Broncos, the Texans, who you talked about, the Chiefs, the Raiders, the Eagles, and I think the Seahawks are the ones that really crushed it. But looking at the Seahawks, we talked about the Bijan Robinson pick maybe being questionable, but after that, Matthew Bergeron in the second I like, Zach Harrison as an edge rusher I like in the third, Clark Phillips is one of my favorite corners in the entire class in the fourth round. He's one of my bigger name guys they got late. I think there's potentially four starters. If Zach Harrison can blossom, I think the other three are going to be starters this year. I think the Falcons may have got four starters out of that class. Uh, We talked about the Eagles, why they they always crush it. the Chiefs with Felix Anadike Uzama and Reishi Rice. the I, I'm not sure about the later guys. I think we kind of covered the the Seahawks. They're top four picks, though, in those early rounds. I'm trying to see who else I like for some of the later. You know, the Raiders are a team that nobody's really talking about. I really liked what the Raiders did up and down the board. Tyree Wilson, Michael Mayer, I think Byron Young, defensive lineman, those are starting linemen. Ja'Cory and Bennett in the fourth was a guy people were talking about as a cornerback. He may be a starter. And then we mentioned Aiden O'Connell. So you've got a team with maybe another four more starters. So those are those are my top, top eight, but especially top five. Seahawks, Falcons, Chiefs, Raiders, and Eagles are my five favorite drafts.
1: I actually like, uh, now that we're talking about it, the Bears in the later rounds, I really like um... – where they got Rashawn Johnson, the running back who backed up Bijan. At Texas, I think got a little bit overlooked just because he was Bijan's backup. But I think he's gonna probably play for the Bears considering that they lost Montgomery. Um, I think Rashawn Johnson is gonna be a cheap option for the Bears. Might plug and play right away. Um And then I believe they actually got Noah Sewell from Oregon as well, right?
0: And I was a huge Noah Sewell fan, got him in the fifth round. The Bears are another team I wrote down, draft an offensive lineman and then just load up the defense. And that's exactly what they did, getting Darnell right. And not my favorite pick in the first round, Gervin Dexter, defensive lineman. He was a top 10 pick or not top 10 recruit coming out of high school. People love Tyreek Stevenson, Zach Pickens, another defensive lineman. And then Noah Sewell, who is, he is your prototypical Bears. Mike Singletary, Brian Urlacher, Lance Briggs. We talked about kind of not in vogue in modern NFL anymore, that's prototypical run stuffing linebacker, but I'm a huge Noah Swole fan if you like a violent hard hitting linebacker.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I think the Bears had a good uh good draft down the board too. So I really like the Packers, Lions and and Bears. I really liked what each one of those teams did in the NFC North
0: and making that uh, division even more wide open. I think so. Absolutely. And remember, just because a player was not drafted in the first round does not mean they're not good. And just because they were drafted in the first round, nothing is guaranteed. This is really fun to look at and talk about. There's always guys who go undrafted. Got this list that CBS put together for us. Kurt Warner, Warren Moon, Tony Romo, Night Train Lane, Emlyn Tannell. John Randall, Antonio Gates, and James Harrison were all undrafted NFL players. There's even some fun names who we thought were going to get drafted. Eli Ricks is one that I see people were talking about as a maybe a second or third round pick ended up not getting drafted. So there's going to be some guys out here that we're going to look back in four years and say, how did this guy go undrafted? There's always some. That's what kind of makes the draft a bit of a fun guessing game.
1: Yeah. Um, Green Bay signed a guy that a lot of people thought was going to get drafted, but well, didn't think was going to get drafted. Uh, Brenton Cox from Florida got kicked off of multiple teams. Well, that'll do a lot it. of off the field stuff. But the talent suggested top one hundred player. Um, so we'll see if Green Bay can kind of straighten him out. But he's a defensive tackle. Also, Green Bay really we wasted a, a draft spot on a kicker, and also <laughs> Sean Clifford. I guess that was the part of a uh, green Bay's draft that I didn't like
0: was they did need a backup quarterback, but I didn't like Sean Clifford. There's the, the drafts that I really didn't like were the Ravens, the Colts, the commanders, the dolphins only had four picks. So they were kind of SOL regardless, but the 49ers, I have no idea what San Francisco is doing. They took a kicker in the third round. They may, they may be my least favorite draft. It's Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch kind of have to trust that they know what they're doing. Just when I look at this draft, I don't know that I heard anybody talk about any of these players. And then a kicker in the third. They're, they did not have a first or second round pick. And then just very curious what the Niners were up to. I didn't understand what they were doing.
1: And didn't they take a punter later too?
0: Uh, that wasn't them. I'm. Let me see if I can. Someone else. Somebody did they draft. A, mostly... Did the Patriots draft a punter? Maybe. Yeah, yes. that's it. Patriots and Bengals, and then the Ravens took one in the seventh.
1: That's it. Yeah, they took... Okay, the 49ers took Jake Moody, and then Brad Robbins, who was the punter from Michigan.
0: So the kicker and the punter from Michigan both
1: got drafted.
0: Is that, is that Harbaugh's specialty? Is that what we're saying? I
1: guess. I don't know. I just didn't understand multiple teams, including my Packers, spending picks on kickers and
0: punters. Yeah, I not a clue.
1: They better be all-world, or... Right. It doesn't really make any sense.
0: Well, anything else draft-related for this week's show that we need to get to?
1: Uh, no, I think that pretty much does it for me.
0: We'll, we'll still touch on free agency and off season and draft as we go through here. But now it is time for basketball. Kind of want to look at the NBA playoffs going forward. We can tie into the series that got us here. As I'm watching, recording very early this week, but we've got the Celtics and the Sixers in a nail-biter, and then we've got Suns-Nuggets game two coming up. Let's start on the east side here of this bracket and get Andrew's takes on what to expect here. We've got Heat-Knicks in a series, which I don't think anybody saw coming, and then Sixers-Celtics, so I'm just going to open the floor and let you roll.
1: Yeah, I, I did not see Miami doing what they did to Milwaukee at all. Obviously, the Giannis injury was a big factor. He did play two, two two-and-a-half games, essentially, in the series. Um, But Milwaukee really, really, really melted down. Um, Blue double-digit lead in in game four and game five, by all rights, should have won both of those rather comfortably um, and finished off the heat in six or maybe even seven because Jimmy Butler was that good, but by all rights should have finished them off, but could not, um, could not stop Jimmy Butler at all. And then the Knicks couldn't stop Jimmy Butler or Kyle Lowry in game one of the Eastern conference semis. Um, Jimmy did get injured. I think he sprained his right ankle. I believe And there is some question about whether or not he'll play. So that's kind of the thing to watch in that series going forward is the health of Jimmy Butler. If he's good to go and ready to play, then I think the heat are going to win that series and go to the Eastern conference finals. And we're going to, we're going to end up with a heat Celtics finals. I know the um, Sixers and Celtics are in a battle right now, and I don't mean to spoil the other series, but, Um, With Embiid's health kind of being a question mark, he's out tonight. Um, He's doubtful for game two as well, and both those games are in Boston. If uh, Boston can go ahead and get right here tonight and take game one and then get game two with Embiid being out, then I think that's a little bit too big of a hole for the Sixers to climb climb out of. And we were just here last year with Celtics Heat in the Eastern Conference Finals, and here we are right back in the same position. Got there in a different way, definitely, but I think we're
0: right back in the same same spot. But look who's back. Old school James Harden has reemerged without Embiid. 42 points so far in this one. The beard is back.
1: That's true. And Jason Tatum just claps to the floor in a heap, as I was saying, the Celtics have this unlocked. Um, that's kind of been the theme of this year's NBA playoffs, though, is unfortunately it's been a theme that key guys have gotten injured in pivotal moments at, in almost every series. So it's been the teams that have stayed relatively healthy that have advanced and moved on.
0: And I absolutely did not see the Heat coming. The Bucks were my pick to win this whole thing because I couldn't really think of a better option. Let's not forget the Heat had to go through that silly little play-in tournament to even get here. I have openly professed my love of Jimmy Butler. Some week we should do our top five current NFL, uh, NBA players. Jimmy Butler would definitely make my list. If it's not going to be the Bucks, throw me on that Heat hype train. I I'm just mad at the Knicks because they beat my beloved Cavaliers. Celtic Sixers, I would argue, is probably going to be a better series. I just, do I, I don't, I want the Heat because I don't really want to hear Knicks fans. I do think the NBA is better when the Knicks are at least in the playoffs and competitive. But if we have to hear the entire nation talk about the Knicks for another month, please, please no. Go Miami, go Heat.
1: Oh, come on. I want Jalen Brunson in the conference finals. I like, I know you don't, maybe don't like Knicks fans or the hype around the Knicks or whatever. But I I do like Jalen Brunson.
0: He's fine. I will I will allow Jalen Brunson. Villanova guys are typically always okay with me.
1: Yeah. So in a Knicks Celtics Eastern Conference Finals, come on.
0: Who, whoever comes
1: versus Boston, let's do it.
0: Whoever comes out of that bottom side, if we get Knicks versus Philly or Boston, that's going to be
1: that's going to be heated. But chatters. I'm going to go ahead and take the Celtics because I felt like. Either the Bucs or the Celtics were going to win it all. And now that the Bucs are eliminated, I feel like this NBA playoffs, the stars are kind of aligning for the Celtics to break through and win it all for the first time with Tatum.
0: Interesting. I I have a philosophy I want to get to you a little bit later. But you're so to recap that, you're picking the Celtics to win the East? Yeah, I am. Over, if you had to put money down, Knicks or Heat.
1: I, it's hard to say with Jimmy Butler. I'm going to assume that Jimmy Butler champions through and makes it heat. Celtics over heat.
0: I'll, I'll probably go the same. My heart wants the heat, but that feels like the safer bet. I wonder, I wonder if an eight seed has ever made it. I, I don't have the time to look that up right now, but I wonder what the lowest seed to ever make the NBA Finals is since we've gone to 18 brackets.
1: The eight-seeded Knicks in the Mm lockout-shortened season without Patrick Ewing and with Latrell Sprewell, Allen Houston, and Marcus Camby. Nice. Against the Tim Duncan, David Robinson Spurs.
0: The first Spurs championship team.
1: In the Tim Duncan era, yeah.
0: Now, over to the West. Also, fun fact, every single seed is represented in this playoffs. I learned that today while researching. You have... You have a one, you have a two, you have a three, a four, a five, a six, seven, and an eight. I don't know if that's ever happened or if it means anything. It was just fun. That
1: is interesting. I now don't know you... if that's happened. That is fun. Now... Sort of.
0: <laughs> Given the fact that you have the one seed, the two-time MVP, and maybe the most star-laden team left in this, it still feels like this is the number four in terms of just attention. It's the other one. You've got the Celtics, you've got the Knicks, and then you've got Steph and LeBron but it feels like nobody's talking about the Nugget Suns, despite the talent and the number one seed.
1: Are you sure nobody's talking about Nugget Suns? Because I'm all in on Nuggets Suns. Re- I think relative, it's rel- be...
0: relative to the other three, I feel like it's the fourth most talked about as the casual outsider fan.
1: Oh, really? I think Nick's Heat is probably the fourth most talked about um, to me, because the most hyped is Lakers Warriors. Right. By far. Yeah. Um, but then I would put Boston Philly below that and then this uh this Nuggets Suns matchup right on par maybe just a notch below that um because you've got Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, Chris Paul, Jokic, Murray like there's star power here in this Nuggets Suns um series and plenty of scoring to go all around.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. There's the star power. I just haven't heard as much chatter We've got the Nuggets up one zero as we're recording this. Let's see, will they play? So they play again tonight, and then will they play again? And then they have a nice little layoff, so they're not back until Friday, so I'm guessing there's some travel days in there. So are we yeah. going to have a, while people are listening to this on Friday night, are we going to have a 1-1 game, or is Denver going to be up
1: 2-0? I think, scarily for the Suns, Denver is going to be up 2-0, because while Jokic had a lot of rebounds in game one he didn't really shoot that well and they didn't really need him to in order to uh in order to basically blow out the suns and so i think jokic bounces back with a much better offensive performance tonight and that puts uh the nuggets up 2-0 on the suns heading back to phoenix
0: and this, It doesn't really feel like anybody has an advantage. Both these teams won 4-1 in their opening round, so there's not the wear and tear. Nobody had to play a seven game. There's not a lot of layoffs. These teams feel like they should be neck and neck, at least from that standpoint.
1: Yeah, um, DeAndre Aiden is going to be a huge key, and he did not look like he was very interested, shall we say, in game one. I think that's probably the nicest way I can put it was um, Deandre Ayton didn't seem really that invested in, in fighting for rebounds or contesting Jokic all that much. And he's really the only guy that they have that can. So, um, I think, I think that's going to definitely have to change. He can't outplay Jokic in terms of the numbers or anything, but he's going to have to contest him a little bit more at the rim and, and get some of those rebounds that Jokic was getting because he was getting plenty of offensive rebounds and the Suns can't have that if they're going to win this series.
0: So you're going nuggets on the top side? Nuggets. Yeah. And now we get to the bottom one. This is the big one, the one everybody's going to talk about Steph and the Warriors versus LeBron and the Lakers. Steph, I believe is three and two all time against LeBron in the postseason if we would like to talk about the sad downfall of the beam team and the universal rejoicing everybody had when the Grizzlies got smashed. So any, any combination of those four teams?
1: Yeah. So Lakers warriors, um, because no, I can't bring myself to talk about the sad downfall of the beam team. Unfortunately, the Fox injury was too much. Um, Would have loved to see Fox with 10 healthy fingers to finish off that series. But I digress. Um Lakers Warriors I think personally th- this is a this is going to be a closely matched series. Um Warriors just got out of a seven game slog. They might be in for another seven game slog here with the Lakers. They do have home court advantage. Um but I think LeBron will probably have just a little bit of extra juice for this one um, mashing up against Steph and a guy that's kind of denied LeBron from from some titles um, that he might've otherwise had. Uh, I think, I think the Lakers are going to pull through and pull this off in six games actually. So I've got the Lakers finishing this off in LA in six games. So we've got Lakers nuggets, Western conference finals in my eyes.
0: Awfully bold statement there, I would argue. I was trying to look up. I know I said that Steph is 3-2 and two versus LeBron. I don't remember where I got that today, but I was trying to think, have they met in the Western Conference playoffs since LeBron came to the Lakers, or had they only met in finals? They met
1: in the play-in tournament. So, and the Lakers won the game in the play-in tournament.
0: I, I wonder- believe... If- I wonder what the the Steph-LeBron relationship is. We never think about it as much of a rivalry. They're two of the more, seems to be well-mannered professional guys in the league. They just, seems like more of a professional respect than any type of bond or blood feud.
1: Yeah, there's professional respect, um, but I think privately, I don't think um, LeBron really likes Steph that much
0: but is it out of anger just for beating him?
1: Um, no, probably more out of the anger that he felt the need to go get Kevin Durant after blowing a 3-1 series lead. Oh, well, there's that. Um, you know, because he was scared of what LeBron might do to him.
0: <laughs> if he hadn't. So, is, so you've got LeBron and the Lakers versus the Nuggets in this weird matchup. Who thought we needed of LeBron versus Jokic? Is that the is that the rivalry I never knew I wanted?
1: Um, I don't know if it's a rivalry that you never knew you wanted or anything. Going to start Um, this year, maybe. Um, but I think the real the winner of that Lakers Warriors series is going to the NBA Finals. Ooh! So, I'm I'm taking the lake. I'm thinking we're lining it up for another lakers celtics nba finals
0: wow a lot of luck for this laker team
1: everything's lining up and we're going to have another chapter in the lakers celtics saga and this time it's going to be lebron versus tatum and the boys
0: i'm trying to do quick research here to see how the lakers have done and because now i'm thinking about have the lakers ever played the nuggets in the postseason in the, the lebron and Jokic eras
1: the bubble championship
0: see that's why i like having you i don't need wikipedia
1: yeah you don't need wikipedia they did beat um yokich and the nuggets on their way to the championship in the bubble
0: huh Man, i think we're gonna end up going different on this i i again want to pick the heat i've got to go with the celtics I, I still think Steph and the Warriors get past LeBron. And what, what did I read earlier? Only the second ever six, seven matchup in the conference semifinal. Last time was in the eighties. I, I think it's going to be a fantastic series, seven games, but I'm going to take the Warriors. And then I think the Nuggets are finally going to do it. How many times can I be burned by picking them? I'll, I'll, I'll risk it one more time. I mean, the Nugget Celtics finals with what we have standing now that my Bucks have been wiped out.
1: Yeah, give me the gimme the Lakers and the Celtics now that my Kings and my Bucks have been wiped out. Um and then, you know, spoiler alert, I think I said that things are lining up for Tatum and the Celtics. Unfortunately, they're gonna run into a guy who's hungry for his fifth, and LeBron is going to go ahead and uh take it all, cut down the nets, the Lakers are gonna win the NBA championship. Wow. Yep. LeBron and AD are going to bring their second championship to LA, this time in front of actual fans. And it's going to be, uh, it's going to be pretty good. And another, uh, infinity gem on LeBron's infinity gauntlet because apparently he's Thanos now. Um, well, they... you know, so fifth championship for LeBron. It's going to be, A good feather in his cap in terms of the uh, way people look at him overall.
0: They've come a long way from, in about two months, two and a half months.
1: They have. They have. So, another chapter in Lakers-Celtics and the Lakers get it done.
0: So this is my question I wanted to postulate to you. Since about the LeBron-Pow- lakers who won back-to-back titles in 9 10
1: kobe kobe pow you mean
0: yeah what did i say
1: you said lebron
0: pow yeah so ever since the kobe pow or test lakers of 9 10 almost every championship team has had a megastar all-time hall of fame icon not just a top 10 player maybe not even a top five maybe a top three player So you look at these Warrior teams, have all had Steph and throw in Durant if you want. The Lakers and Heat and Cavs, all with LeBron, so that would be eight of them. The only other ones you have in there are Giannis and the Bucks, and I would consider him an all-time, you know, one top three, if not best player in the world. Your only other teams are the Raptors, the Spurs, and the Mavs. So my question is, would you argue that the Raptors and the Spurs with Kawhi and the Mavs with Dirk, were those guys top three players in the league at the time they won? This is leading to another question.
1: Raptors-Kawhi, yes. Dirk, Dirk, yes, at the time that he won. Not
0: Spurs-Kawhi. Or Spurs-Duncan, if you want to consider Duncan in 2014.
1: Not Spurs-Duncan. Not Duncan at that point in his career. That was late-stage Duncan. Still a good player, but not
0: top three. And maybe this goes back further. I just didn't take the time to research it or have the time. But I'm looking at who's left standing that you would say are top three, maybe even top five players in the NBA. Because I'm looking at these teams, not just not just who's having a great year. Maybe somebody has like a one flash brilliant year. Who are the true tried and true top three, top five players in the NBA or have been? And does that have, help winnow down the field? Because if you're looking at the Knicks, do they have that guy? Do the Nuggets have a guy like that? So that's what I'm trying to think. Can you narrow down your list of potential championship candidates based on, okay, who are the three best players in the world right now?
1: Three best players in the world coming into the playoffs were Giannis, Jokic, and Bede. So two of those guys are still here. Beyond that, though, if you want to look at top five, I think you can say Steph, and I think you can say Tatum.
0: So, by that logic, should we rule out the Knicks, the Heat, and that would take the Lakers and Suns out for saying Durant's not what he was, LeBron's not what he was? Um,
1: See, that's that's an interesting question because you're, I guess I'm looking at that, I'm saying regular season coming into the playoffs where they were at. But once the playoffs turn on, things kind of turn into a different story. And I think LeBron in playoff mode and then AD when you get the best out of him, that combination uh, makes the Lakers hard to stop. And I'm really betting on that That combination being at the peak of their powers in order to make this championship run happen. So I think you've either got to have a top three guy that can just absolutely carry you, which the Lakers don't have, um, but the combination of LeBron and AD and some of the role players that are coming on that, as a whole can kind of carry you to a championship. Hmm. So that's, that's kind of how I'm looking at it. I think this is going to be a year where, you know, a team doesn't maybe have that top three guy. I think people would argue with you that Tatum's top five. Um, they would probably say he's not, but I, I would argue that he is. So I think Tatum can lead his team through the East because of how good he is. But give me a, Basically, I'm just not betting against LeBron with a playoff quality roster around him. I'm just not betting against LeBron.
0: Because as you go back further, I'm kind of looking in the in the 2000s. You had that the Big Three Celtics. You had that D Wade Heat team, and you had the Pistons in that 2004 team. I wonder. And again, I don't know their rosters off the top of my head. I know they had big names, but did they have top three players? So Otherwise, you look at it, if you don't have one of the three best players in the world, it gets really hard to win. Duncan, Shaq and Kobe with the Lakers. That you know that fills up most of the 2010s winners right there with the Lakers and the Spurs. Bulls, obviously. Rockets had Hakeem. Uh, yeah, just, I just wonder if that's if there's something to that.
1: Yeah, see, that's kind of how I'm viewing um, this year's Lakers. I'm kind of viewing them like that Spurs team that won it all with Duncan and Kawhi. They don't have a Kawhi-like player but they kind of have the veteran guys that have been there before with LeBron and AD. Um And they've got some young guys that are playing well, like Austin Reeves and D'Angelo Russell and Hachimura is bringing something and Jared Vanderbilt's bringing something. And you've got um Dennis Schroeder doing some good stuff off the bench. So I think there's, there's definitely a team there that the Lakers have put together. That's decent enough that can make a run.
0: Anything else here on the NBA side? I do want to get a quick minute on the NHL playoffs and get some UFC picks. But before we move on from the round ball, let's go ahead and move on. So if my math is correct here on the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs, which have been pandemonium as they always are, you and I each got four first round picks correct. We are waiting for the result of the Rangers Devils. We both picked the Rangers, but as it's going, they have one period left, and the Rangers need to score in quick action. They're down 2-0 as of right now. So starting in the West, because that worked out a little bit better for me, the Knights beating the Jets, not really a surprise there. And the, sorry, Knights beating the Jets, and the Oilers beating the Kings. So those two, uh, pretty straightforward. The Stars beating the Wild, and so those are the three that I got. And then the one I missed, the defending champion, Avs, Got knocked out by the upstart Kraken. So props to you for having some faith in the Kraken. You did lose your Western Conference champion, but you did get the... You picked the Kraken correct and the Knights correct.
1: Hey, the Wild were robbed, and I'll stand on that. I didn't watch a minute of the series, but they were robbed.
0: <laughs> I need to look. Was it like... I think they had like a seven game. There was, if I remember, was one of the better opening round.
1: I saw that series. multiple went to... Seven games. Yeah, yeah, there was a
0: there was a lot more seven game series than the NBA had.
1: All right, that's kind of cool.
0: At the Eastern Conference, I got absolutely destroyed. If the way it's going here, it looks like the Devils are going to beat the Rangers. Hurricanes beating the Islanders. You and I both got correct. My beloved Lightning lost. You got the Leafs though. Your your Eastern Conference champion Maple Leafs are still in it. And then the Bruins. This is the big one. And the President's Trophy given to the regular season team with the best record president's day or president's day president's trophy curse i think it's the 2011 or so blackhawks sometime in that era like the only one in the last 20 years who have won the regular season best record and gone on to win the bruins set the scoring records set the wins record and then they get beat by the lowly panthers the florida panthers the last team it's very much akin to the heat taking down the bucks in the nba So we're left with the Panthers taking on the Maple Leafs, and then you have the Hurricanes play the winner of the Rangers-Devils blood feud.
1: Wow. Um, Yeah, I saw the Panthers took down the Bruins, and I celebrated because it takes the um, worst first-round loss pressure off of the Milwaukee Bucks and shifts it on to the Boston Bruins because apparently that was one of the biggest collapses of all time.
0: Yeah, nobody, I shouldn't say nobody, I'm sure there's some people out there, but almost nobody saw it coming. Maybe the Bruins falling to the Leafs would have been believable, or the Lightning, I would have argued those are the two best teams in the East outside of Boston, would have had a great semifinals around, but here we are with the Panthers, I feel good if I'm you and I'm a Maple Leafs fan this year, I the, the Panthers did it once, I don't know if they can do it again.
1: Oh, uh, they can't, the Maple Leafs are just <laughs> too too strong in my expansive hockey knowledge.
0: I'm just going to keep, I'm going to keep riding with my Oilers. I picked them for the umpteenth year in a row. And now that my lightning are out of it and the abs are done, I I had Oilers, lightning. I'm going to go with the Oilers now. Too many weapons.
1: Yeah. Maple Leafs, Maple Leafs. Uh, what did I have?
0: You had Leafs in the wild. You're without the wild now.
1: Oh, well, give me the lightning then. Leafs, lightning, but the Leafs are still taking it home.
0: It's It'll be fun. If you haven't taken some time, check out the Stanley Cup playoffs. I know it's been crazy with NBA postseason and the NFL draft now that the draft's off our calendar. The, the Royal U, the collective U listener sports world out there. We've had a great Stanley Cup playoff and we are guaranteed a new champion. I was looking at the bracket today and I thought, huh, now that the Lightning and Avs are out, who's the last champion we had? And now that the Penguins were not in the postseason, this has been kind of a topsy-turvy year. We've seen hockey trending this way for a couple of years, and it really culminated. The Penguins were out. The Capitals were out. The Ducks and the Sharks have been bad for a while now. The last team to have a championship that's still in the playoffs is the Hurricanes, who won it in 2006. So you're guaranteed some fresh blood here. You had a team like the Knights make it a couple of years ago. The Stars have been in contention. The Rangers, if they're able to pull it out, I think made it in 2014. It's really just, I think it's more fun for any sport when you have all these new options, all these new teams, somebody somebody fresh is going to win. So that's what makes it really fun that we don't have a dynastic team here.
1: Yeah. Kraken are going to raise their first banner, I think.
0: Wouldn't that, wouldn't that be fun, winning it in your first season? The Knights, Knights make a championship in their first season, I believe, and then lost it. Be fantastic well, for the Kraken.
1: Isn't it the Kraken's second season?
0: Is it their second? I don't know. Time, time is a weird thing after COVID in twenty twenty.
1: Yeah, I think it's their second season, but it'd still be incredible.
0: I can't keep track of things. Yeah. All right. Do you want to tell me how to bet my money on Saturday night, quick for the UFC card? Um, I can try. So the big, the headliner, we've got the bantamweight title fight. Aljamain Sterling, the champion, finally solidified with a victory over Piotr Yan. The return of Triple C, Henry Cejudo, former. Double champ and an Olympic gold medalist, a really kind of a toss up fight here. I'm going to go Sahudo, but Sterling is the champion.
1: Yeah, give me Aljamain.
0: I like good split minus 105 odds on him for there for you there. You got a welterweight bout against Bilal Muhammad versus Gilbert Burns, and if you're thinking didn't Gilbert Burns just fight, he sure did. Within a month, there was supposed to be a Charles Oliveira, Benil Daryush fight. That got pulled, so quick thrown-in fight here with Muhammad and Gilbert Burns. No odds on UFC.com for this one, but give me the heavy hitter from Brazil, Gilbert Burns.
1: Yeah, um, the Burns on kind of short notice against someone like Bilal Mohammed. Go ahead and give me Mohammed in this scenario.
0: Splitting it up. A women's strawweight fight, one of the... Familiar faces: Jessica Andraj, who may be going for the record most fights in a year. This is her third fight of the 2023 calendar year already. Uh, she's the number four ranked fighter and the slight favorite here. I apologize for butchering this woman's name, Yan Xiaonan. I'm sure that's not right. I apologize, but she's the number six uh, plus 160 fighter. There, I'm going to go with Andraj just because the veteran experience in the UFC.
1: Yeah, I'll agree with you. I'll go with Andraj as well.
0: Uh, and then we've got, uh, Mops, another name, apologize here, uh, mozar Evlov, Evloev. Again, I'm sure that's wrong from Russia against Bryce Mitchell from the U.S., who is his own unique personality. Go learn more about Bryce Mitchell if you're, if you're in the mood, but, uh, give me this Russian Evloev.
1: Uh, give me Bryce Mitchell on the upside here.
0: Uh, so Bryce Mitchell and a fighter in the next fight, Crone Gracie, are both flat earthers. So they have that in common. You've got Crone Gracie, part of the historic Gracie family, versus Charles Jordan, a polite Canadian fellow. Uh, give me Jordan because he's not a flat earther.
1: Um, I'm rocking with Team Flat Earther. So give me, uh, <laughs> give me Gracie, and uh, on Saturday night they'll prove that the Earth is flat and have their opponents flat on their back.
0: Well, well played. Good pun out of you. <laughs> Uh, looking at the earlier fights, nothing that really stands out to me. Drew Dauber has been around for a long time. Probably the biggest name there. The wonderfully named Chaos Williams back on the card. Another guy who fought not that long ago, uh, going down, not a whole lot of names that I'm super familiar with. I think you're like a lot of these cards, your top two there with the, the Burns Muhammad fight and Aljamain Sterling. I'm really looking forward to Jessica Andraj. Always fun to see her out there. That is Saturday night, 7 PM on the West coast.
1: Nice. Um, Yeah, a guy like Chaos Williams, I think you can't bet against him. So go ahead and just fire up Chaos Williams if you're (laughs) looking for an early fight. Um, I think the name alone should win him the fight.
0: Anything else on this week's sports calendar that we need to touch on?
1: Um, No, absolutely, absolutely not. I don't think so.
0: A nice, long, meaty episode. So much to get to, and that's why we love this time of year. We need to get back here in a couple of weeks. We've got a Kentucky Derby coming up. We've got golf tournaments to get to. And watching the hockey and basketball playoffs come down to the home stretch. We'll have that all for you here next week and beyond on the Sports Gospel. Thank you all for joining us.